This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Williams. Today on the show, my guest is Tyler Hebel, a.k.a. Potato Ty a Canadian potato farmer that's taken TikTok by storm. Tyler and I will talk about his background and what led him back to the family farm, the farm's role in feeding Vancouver and Alberta, as well as its impact on the Canadian agriculture industry. We'll also talk about how some grocery stores can see upwards of 500% markups on potatoes. We'll talk about Tyler's social media strategy, including his viral painting potatoes video, that's received almost 200 million views on TikTok, and what farming influencers inspire him to make content. And lastly, Tyler and I will discuss food waste issues, including the creation of his company, 10 Servings, that's aimed at eliminating food waste and feeding local communities. As mentioned by Tyler in the episode, we don't have a growing issue, we have a logistics issue. When the show's over, check out Ty and his 10 Servings company at the links in the description. And thanks again to our sponsor, agcareers.com. If you're looking for a new job or even exploring career opportunities, consider checking out agcareers.com to learn more about exciting careers in agriculture and the food industry. They also have some nifty career profiles to help job seekers learn more about the countless career opportunities available. So please welcome to the show, Potato Tide. Well, Ty, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast, man. As I was prepping for this show, I think of all the guests I've had, you have had the most nicknames. There was Potato Ty, Hot Potato Farmer. It seems like the internet was smitten over you like a couple years ago when you went super viral on TikTok. Yeah, I don't I don't know. People get really creative <laughs> with the names and they always seem to stick. I think I also got a Spud Daddy um that's potato daddy that's an interesting one too so i mean people are very uh creative and i i love hearing it 
For sure. Yeah, I saw Spud Daddy. So yeah, tell us about it. You're a potato farmer in Canada. Like how did you go down that path? Yeah, so I, I grew up on the potato farm here in uh, Surrey, British Columbia. It, the farm has been in our family for 103 years. But growing up, we were just, I mean, I don't know if it's politically correct, but slave labor. Like we mm. were doing all of the hard jobs. Um, there was It was not fun. We did not look forward to Saturdays and after school. So when I uh, graduated high school, I uh, got a job and I, I said, I've never come back to the farm again. And after 10 years, I decided, you know, a few things happened and I decided to give farming one last chance. And so I've been back now for about a year and a half. Uh, and I, I really now like being on the other side of things where I'm actually uh, involved in the business and making managerial decisions and, and planning. And I, I can see the bigger picture now. Uh, so, yeah, now I really love farming. That's cool. So like with your parents, was the pressure there like we want you to work on the farm for forever or did they kind of give you that option to go off and do your own thing? No, they like their parents had a rule with the farm or I guess my grandparents that they that my dad had to go off for two years and go do something mm. else. And then if you wanted to come back, he could. So they kind of had the, the same rule with us, but they never had to enforce it because all three of us brothers were just gone right right after high school. <laughs> um, and now I'm the only I'm the only son back back in the business. But no, there was no there was no pressure. And I think that's a big reason why I came back was it was because, you know, it was like, if you want, you can. If not, we're selling it. And it's like, shoot, that's 100 years of history. Mm. Uh, big decision, right? Yeah, that's a lot of pressure there. The more I talk with farmers and ranchers like, Usually, if the parents, if it's like a two or three generation farm, if the parents give their kids the option to come back, they, of course, go off, but then they eventually come back. So it's funny how that kind of works. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of history. It's a lot of family value. And I, I think living with the regret of not giving it a proper chance uh, would mm -hmm. have probably ended up killing me. So I, I'm super happy I came back because I, I definitely found my passion in, in feeding people. So let's talk, let's do like a little quick, a little quick rundown of potatoes in Canada. I know here in the U.S., when you think of potatoes, you think of Idaho, and that's pretty much it. Like your region in Canada, is that really the only place where potatoes are grown? Like what's the whole Canadian potato breakdown? Yeah, that's a super great question. So I'm in British Columbia, so we're okay. right Washington, you know, or, where Seattle is. And uh, our market is fairly niche, so we are actually the smallest potato growers out of basically all the other provinces so the largest would be like Ontario and Manitoba uh, and then we'd probably be like the sixth largest but our uh, market's the most coveted because we feed Vancouver so mm, okay. uh, prices are always the highest here I mean it's the most expensive place to farm basically in the world but um, we have the Vancouver market right next to us um, and they do pay uh, good money for fresh local produce so it's, it's very interesting because uh, here in BC, like we only grow table potatoes. So it's basically 95% is, is fresh potatoes and maybe like 5% goes to making progies or, or fries. Um, but we supply a lot of Alberta with our potatoes because a lot of the potatoes in Alberta are grown for like uh, Wendy's or mm. um, McDonald's and they're used for, for fry. Okay. Now, why is it so expensive to grow potatoes up there? Um, it's because we have some of the most expensive land prices. So mm. per acre, it's around $140,000 an acre of land, um, which is some of the most expensive farmland for sure in the world. And that's just because of how beautiful BC is. Everyone wants to move here. We had half a million people immigrate here. Oh, uh, wow. 
in the last year. Um, and, and then also we're just locked in by the ocean, the mountains and the border. So, you know, there's no really, there's no new farmland coming up. And uh, we do have a big issue with farmland getting developed here. So some of our best farmland keeps getting developed. Uh, you know, every year you're seeing some productive piece of farmland go to make industrial buildings. And so you just can't compete with that. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm down here in Florida. Um, and the biggest thing we have like that is development. Like we're like agriculture is like number two in the state um, in terms of the economy. But of course, tourism is number one. And so we're always building more um, high rises, golf courses, another Margaritaville or expanding the villages. So like our farmland is going down, but our like people keep coming here. And so it's like, you know, like, what do we do? Like we got two competing industries. But um, so yeah, I've seen a bunch of your potato videos on TikTok, on Instagram. The most recent one I saw was one of you saying, hey, here we are painting our potatoes red. Here's why we do it. Your videos are awesome, super entertaining. Like where where was the inspiration for all of that? Yeah, that's a, a great question. I like when I started posting on TikTok about a year and a year and a bit ago, uh, I was following two guys that I really liked. One of them was uh, his name was Gatlin. Um, he's oh, a yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a farmer out in Idaho or something so, somewhere around there, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's all entertainment. Like there is no education aspect of what a farming life is, but it's just <laughs> all entertainment. And I really like that. And then there was another guy who was big on TikTok and LinkedIn. And his name was um, Shay, Shay Mitchell. And he was all um, education. There was no entertainment. It was just like, this is how farms work. This is why we're doing this. And so those are my two role models kind of when I first started, you know, they had 1.9 million followers and 400,000 followers. And I just thought they were like the coolest guys ever. <laughs> so I like my inspiration was I wanted to find a good middle ground there where um, I could entertain uh, people so that they would want to watch more, but also educate them. So I, they come out of it with more value and understanding of what it's like to be a farmer. And just eat, I say this all the time, but the good, the bad and the beautiful parts of farming um, because we're just in this very unique position here in North America where I think the stat is 40% uh, of farmers are going to be retiring in the next like 15 years. Mm. Like the average age of the farmer is in close to the 60s. Um, and we don't have a lot of young farmers coming into this space. So if we do want to protect, you know, our food, our food source, I think it's really important to be encouraging the younger generation to come into farming. Yeah. And you and people like Gatlin and all the other social media farmers are you're like, you're going exactly to where the consumers are, like where that younger generation is and showing them like, hey, you could do a lot in agriculture. And I really like Gatlin and Granny. They're super popular. I've been trying to get them on the show. I think they would be super fun. But yeah, they're, like, they're very you, you've got people that are either super educational or super entertaining. And then you've got people that may, maybe they do a little bit of, of both. But yeah, your videos are super good. And talking about that potato video. I love sarcasm. So like what went into the video where you're like, yeah, we're painting the potatoes red and all that stuff. Like, was there a lot of pushback and where people are like, oh, like, no, he, is he really painting the potatoes red or not? Or what's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why that video went so viral is because <laughs> the outrageous comments and the comment section was just a bloodbath. So many people were uh, one upset that, um, that this would be happening and that they'd be eating red paint. Uh, <laughs> people were just making fun of the people that believed it. 
And uh, yeah, the comment section was like the most entertaining part for sure. Uh, the most entertaining video just because of the comments. Like it, it was insane. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't understand sarcasm and a lot of people just believe what they see on the internet. And I, I tend to poke fun at, at them. It's kind of like an inside joke between my, uh, you know, me and my community. Mm -hmm. uh, I had the same one with the marshmallow video. It was like hay bales that was wrapped, but it looked kind of like marshmallows. Yep. And I said, you know, all you, all you city folks, these are marshmallows and this is how we harvest our marshmallows. And <laughs> a lot of people believe that, which is is crazy, kind of goes to show people don't know where the food comes from. So, yeah, I, I like being a little controversial, sarcastic in the con content I make. <laughs> yeah, I love those um, like around um, uh, Halloween when, you know, like the the hay bales are like wrapped up. And they're like, oh, yeah, these are like some free range marshmallows that we have. I love that video. Um, and OK, so I don't know if this was the same video you used, but you also had a video months ago that was like, you won't believe how dirty potatoes are. Um, so was that the same video you used? Because I love it when, you know, like you can reuse videos and just kind of market them differently. So was that the same video or no? Uh, it was a different video. Okay. Uh, okay. It led to that one. So somebody commented something and they spelt red potatoes wrong. And I like um, replied back with a video on that. And that yeah. was the one that went super viral. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was the same thing. It was basically like some red potatoes we harvested were really dirty, like the most dirty potatoes I'd ever seen. And so we were having to rinse it with a hose before. And it, it just looked like we were painting them because uh, the dirt was falling off and there was like bright, beautiful red that that was showing up. So it mm -hmm. looked like the potatoes were going from brown to red, which they were, but it was by water, not by paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that video was funny. I was looking at the comments on it and <laughs> some of the top comments were like, wait till I tell you where potatoes are grown. <laughs> and then they're like, wait till you, you learn where like vegetables and all the other produce are grown. Like that was super funny. Some people were like, you know, trolling, obviously like, oh, that dirt looks really good. Like they should just leave it on the potatoes. But yeah, that was super funny. Like, I mean, do you try to like plan out your content or do you just kind of like, I don't know, just trying to see what happens, what works and what doesn't? Yeah, I I, I don't plan out my content. I like mm. I sometimes post a goal. I want to post this many times a week and I'll write out some TikToks or videos I want to do. But at the end of the day, it's like very organic. Like, oh, this just happened. There's a breakdown. This could be an interesting video or like this could be a really cool lesson to show people. Like even that red potato video. I was running out for the weekend. I was going on like a men's retreat and I I, uh, I had to slap together a video because I said I was going to post like five times that week. And I, I ended <laughs> up editing this like that, that those red potatoes that I'd filmed like three days prior. And then I went out of service and I was out of service for the weekend and I come back and it has like 10 million views Heck in like yeah. days. And I'm like, what? Why was this so viral? <laughs> just not expecting anything. <laughs> it's so funny how you know anything will go viral and like do you have uh, a preference on what you post on like tiktok or instagram or facebook or youtube like what's your i guess maybe like what's your go-to and what do you see the most traction on yeah so i like originally just started on tiktok and i was only posting there because i knew i was trying to get like uh the word out on some farmland that we were trying to save from from being developed and mm. so i knew that tiktok had that viral potential even if you had five followers right where you could never do that on youtube 
Um, and that's exactly what happened. I had like next to no followers and one of my videos took off. And then I was posting quite a bit from that. We were able to get like 80,000 signatures on a petition. Oh, wow. To the farmland. And then all of a sudden I had like, I don't know, a decent amount of followers. And I was like, well, now I kind of got to entertain these people. So they're <laughs> making uh, daily content. But I only started posting on Instagram like, um, uh, I don't know, nine months ago, maybe, maybe less than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's really taken off. And then now I'm starting to get into YouTube um and gonna be putting out longer form content there because i feel like that's where really the best education value can happen is more the explaining of you know this is how we plant potatoes and harvest and you necessarily can't really do that in a minute long video that's true yeah i follow um zach johnson the millennial farmer on youtube and it's funny he's got like very short clips on facebook or instagram but then like his youtube channel He's got like 30 minute long videos that have super high engagement and he's showing people, you know, how he fixes a combine, like how exactly they do their planning. And that's a great point. Like, I feel like other social media channels like TikTok, Instagram, Facebook are like for, you know, um, I don't know, the quick educational or the quick entertainment, but like long form YouTube is perfect for that long story of like, you know, here's how we grow potatoes. Like what are you, are you looking forward to sharing anything on YouTube, like long format on like how's and why's of what you do? I think, um, I think it's just a good way for people who, I think it's a good way for people to get to know me better. Like yeah. you can, you can kind of show off your humor a little bit and who you are in the one minute videos. But I think when you're putting out 15 or 20 minute videos, like people can really get to know who potato tie is. And, you know, I can really more explain my passion on trying to reduce food waste and mm-hmm. trying to protect farmland and trying to educate the next generation. You can only really um, articulate that so well in, in the short content, especially on TikTok where it, you know, People have a three-second attention span, and uh, the next, you know, viral video is just one little scroll up, right? So when yep. it's long form, uh, you know, people can really understand uh, what farming is like and get a better picture of it. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. So I'm trying to build up uh, the the YouTube subscribers right now. There you go. Yeah, that, that's such a good point. I mean, I feel like YouTube's more forgiving, and you know, you have more than just three seconds to capture their attention. Like it's still important. But I mean, like, it's not like they're just like, if you're if you're watching a YouTube video, it's harder to get removed from that video. But then again, I mean, for example, I've been posting a lot of um, YouTube shorts, and they get a lot of traction, like one will get 20,000 plays, but then another will get 20. So it just kind of depends, like the content's always weird. But I don't know, the algorithm's always changing. Um, but yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up, like you're passionate about reducing food waste, you've started this awesome company that um, also has some really good looking merch, by the way, like the merch looks really cool. So tell us about that, that passion project you have about reducing food waste. Uh, Yeah. So one of the first things I noticed when I came back to the farm was like how much food waste there was. Mm -hmm. And I want to clarify by food waste, I mean, potatoes that we can't sell to the store and we have to sell for cow feed. So it's not necessarily a full waste, but I truly believe that its highest, you know, potential is uh, feeding humans. So every year we toss away around a million and a half pounds of potatoes, basically just because of their cosmetic looks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really drove me crazy. And, you know, we would try to donate as much as we could to the food banks. But 
these potatoes, they have to be grated over a few more times and it, it takes a lot more labor than it's actually even worth donating it to the food bank um, or even really, you know, trying to salvage it for cow feed. So I created a company called 10 Servings and basically we sell potato merchandise um, and the proceeds uh, from the shirt and hat and, and hoodie sales go towards us rescuing um, these ugly potatoes and donating them to uh, the food banks. And then also where we pay the farmer um, number one pricing for these number two potatoes because mm. right now like the farm debt is rampant right now across North America. Like the small family farms are really hurting uh, and struggling with debt. So we're trying to, you know, feed our food banks, reduce on food, reduce on farm food waste, and at the end of the day, help our farmers out. So um, that's the company that I started about two and a half months ago. Um, and it, it's been going really good. Got great feedback from it and uh, hoping to expand it and get in a few stores here in, in Canada. That's awesome. Yeah. Are y'all, are y'all starting out right now in British Columbia and then kind of expanding outward? Yeah. Well, right now it's this internet um, sale. Okay. And uh, the majority of my followers are actually in, in the United States. So okay. that's most of the sales uh, have been just through my website um, on there. But it is really cool to see people from like Australia or, or Germany, uh, United Kingdom, you know, ordering. Um, so it, it's, it's just kind of cool. Uh, and yeah, it's been it's gotten a really good positive feedback. We were able to donate um, our first round to, to the food bank. So we supplied them. Uh, all their potatoes that they'll need for a week and they feed um, I think over 550 families a week so uh, that felt pretty cool and then um, from that we've been able also to do these uh, ugly potato days on our farm which mm. have a bigger um, impact yeah I saw you guys did one a couple of weeks ago like how was that I mean um, w that was that the first one or no uh, no we've done 12 so that oh nice okay our 12th one. So uh, for everyone listening, it's it's basically a day where we put out our number two potatoes that we can't sell because of their looks and our community can come and grab them for absolutely free. Um, and then we just ask that if they are able to, they can donate and that all goes 100 percent. Those donations go to the food bank. Um, and, you know, we started it. We had 12 people come out. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're, you're sitting there for four hours and <laughs> it's like pouring rain. You're like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's rough. Yeah, it's hard. And then we're like, hey, we'll keep we keep doing it. Got it up to 200 and then 800. And then now we're consistently between four or three and four thousand people coming out uh, per event. And we're able to give away about 40,000 pounds of uh, ugly vegetables each time. So it, it's grown into like a pretty popular community event around our farm. That's phenomenal. And I love the idea that you had about, you know, starting merch, not just because I'm sure you could pocket a lot of money on the merch because of your big following on TikTok and on social media. But you use the merch to drive um, the donating to food banks and helping farmers, you know, send that money or send the, that food somewhere else. Like that's such a great idea to use your following to help drive change in a in this area. I think that's really cool. And I feel like most people, when they have a community, they're like, hey, I want to pocket this money somehow. Like Whether it's, you know, be like an independent creator or something. So it's cool that you came up with this merch idea to like, hey, let's help decrease food waste. Yeah, thanks. And uh, like the like the company's name is 10 Servings. So the mm -hmm. idea is to get it down to like every item sold is 10 servings of potatoes. But 
um, because uh, lately we've been doing pretty good. We've been able to give out closer to about 20 servings per um, hat or shirt bought. So uh, that's been really cool. And a lot of people have been supporting too with just donating to the meal plan uh, mm. to help us partner with uh, these food banks and yeah, help them. Or my goal is uh, one day to be able to provide food banks all across North America with it, with their potatoes. Um, you know, if you take Canada, we're able to produce uh, 51 million, um, or sorry, we're able to feed 51 million people a year with what we produce and mm-hmm. our population is only 38 million, but yet seven, oh, wow. 7 million people go to bed hungry every night. Mm. So like we don't have an issue growing food. We have like a logistics issue and it seems to be that that bottom 20% of people aren't getting the food. So my goal is to keep, growing this narrative and keep talking about it and and be the one to solve this problem and feed the the bottom 20%. Um, I really want to put what you just said on a shirt and maybe you can do it. Um, we don't have a growing issue. We have a logistics issue. Like that is, I've been trying to tell people that for such a long time, like we're growing enough food. Mm-hmm. It's that we have a problem getting that to everybody and we're wasting so much food. And I mean, especially we hear this all the time, like an ag, um, by 2050, we're going to have 9 billion people on this planet to feed. And so the problem is we got to get a lot more efficient in how we're delivering that food. And people like you guys and 10 servings are really helping answer that. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think there's another issue, too, that we need to address. And my grandpa has always said this. But here in North America, we are the pickiest hmm. in the whole world, in the whole world. Like we eat with our eyes when we go to the supermarket, like our yeah. potatoes, they need to have the perfect shine and, you know, show our reflection. And it is actually ridiculous. Like if you saw some of the stuff that goes for cow feed, it has a little nick in it or it's just the wrong sizing or like it's it's perfectly fine, but we can't sell it. And a big issue, and I'm going to speak a little bit more specifically here in Canada is our grocery stores are you know, there's only a few of them, a, a mm. few owners, and they mark our prices up an insane amount. Like the other day, uh, we sold some russet potatoes for 50 cents a pound. I go to the store and I see it being sold for $2.50 a pound. It's a 500% markup. No wonder like people wow. want potatoes to look pretty. They're paying like eight bucks for three potatoes. It, it's It's ridiculous how much of a markup there is on our on our food. Um, so when people ask me, like, whose whose fault is this? Is it like the consumer's fault that they want perfect potatoes or perfect vegetables? Or is the retailer's fault? Well, yeah, it might be the retailers or the consumers that are complaining. But it's the retailers that are marking up our product so much to the point where, yeah, you do expect your potato to look like frickin Brad Pitt. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't, I don't blame them. Um, and it, it is actually ridiculous. So, like, we, we need a change here. Um, and I, I don't think I can run a farm and and start a grocery store. So we need someone to step it up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like I mean, not to get like political or anything, but what do you think can be done to decrease that five hundred percent markup? I mean, that's wild. I, I need to do some digging to see what it is like normally here in the U.S. But that's crazy. Yeah, it it is pretty wild. Um, like I will say that some some stores like like the Costco model is a good mm-hmm. one where Costco, you know, only marks it up. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know, like thirty percent or something like that, or maybe a bit more than that. But it's just hard because um, 
with Costco, it's such big bulk. We almost need yeah. like, we need a not, not for profit grocery store. That's mm-hmm. just what we need. And like uh, a grocery store that doesn't try to maximize profit that will just take enough to cover the shrink rate and pay salary. Um, I think that would be uh, the best answer is just have a not for profit starter grocery store. That would be a good solution, but it's like, you know, I mean, hopefully people would do that, but is it going to be government ran? I mean, that would be good, but I feel like that'd be a whole other, like, I don't know, maybe another Pandora's box. I don't know, but yeah, hopefully that could work it one day. I, I think it will. I think you just need a really big, um, a big thinker to come in there and someone mm-hmm. who's goals and not able to take no for, for an answer. Um, but I think something like that could be done and, and could be done really well and really successfully. That'd be nice, especially across all of North America. How do you think we got kind of obsessed with having perfect produce? Because, I mean, a great example is like a tomato. Um, perfectly round, no blemishes, nothing. But usually, like, those perfectly round tomatoes don't taste as amazing as, like, a, a heritage tomato that's going to be have bumps and bruises and look imperfect. Like, how do you think we got so obsessed with perfect-looking produce anytime we go to the grocery store? Well, I, th- I think a large part of it is just based on the price of it. Mm. Like, like I said before, like if you're paying, you know, $2 a pound for a potato, you want it to look decent and you want it to be able to store a long time, which, which is fair. Um, so I I don't know where the other part of that comes from, but I do know that the more people I talk to who have started gardening and mm. who's tried growing their own food have a, have a better appreciation for um perfect looking food because they know how hard it is to grow you know like one little rock yeah. uh, can make your carrot grow sideways or you know not not having soft enough soil can affect the the shape of of the vegetable and so like i always encourage people to try growing your own food like try having a garden if you don't have the property of a garden grow some potatoes in a garbage can mm-hmm. like, grow it and i i promise you like there's no better feeling growing your own food and being self-sustained um, you'll have a new appreciation for vegetables and you'll have a new appreciation for the way they look. Like if, you know, if you get a perfect looking vegetable, you're, you're stoked cause that hardly ever happens. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's so true. I tried growing tomatoes and I didn't know how hard it is to grow tomatoes here in Florida because it gets so hot and humid and mm. every tomato right before it got ripe, it would bust at the top and then be ruined. I was like, well, well, dang it. And then another time I drew, I grew um, basil because I wanted to make like some dried basil. And I was like, oh, this would be great. So I had two huge basil plants, took the leaves off, put them in the oven to dehydrate them, crushed them up. It made, I had a mason jar, it made like the tiniest amount of dried basil. And I was like, oh my God, like, ha- like this is so much work for such a tiny amount of basil. No wonder, I mean, like, geez, like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to support those hardworking farmers they're doing and like kudos to them. Like they're producing a lot of basil and they're working a lot harder than I am. I know. And, and I think too, like uh, it's a good, it's a good activity for your mind. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like right now, even I'm on social media way too much. I have way too much screen time, you know, in my, um, in my life. And uh, I have a friend, he runs an account called uh, mind and soil, soil and mind. And it's all, uh, how gardening is just really good for your mental health and, and it is really true like when when you can work with your hands and be in mother nature and, and not on technology like there is this recharging aspect to your mind mm. and, and to you are and I think 
nowadays with how much anxiety people have, I, I think just being out in nature and trying to grow your own food is like one of the best antidotes to having high anxiety and being stressed out. I like that. And I'm sure it's tricky. Like I'm kind of the same as you, like I'm trying to build a brand on social media. So I'm like, I feel like I need to be on social media a lot, but then I'm like, no, I need to take a break from it. And so you have, you're like, I don't know, you're struggling. Cause you're like, I need to get off of it. I need to get on. Like, I don't know. How do I juggle both of those things? I know. Yeah. It is a very fine balance where you're like, well, this is kind of like my, my career thing and like my passion. But then all of a sudden you're sucked in and you look at your screen time and you're like, I've been on my phone today for four and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. Four hours of that was on TikTok and 30 minutes was messaging people. It's like, that's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, I'm, I'm not a hippie by any means, but when I go outside, I hear people, you know, when they're, they're like, whenever you go outside and you do yard work, you should ground yourself, like, you know, walk around barefooted. And I like to do that. And I'm like, whenever I talk about it, I'm like, I sound kind of like a hippie, but you know, I think it's kind of cool. Like maybe everybody should give it a try. Like maybe there is something to it. I, I, I think there probably is something to it. I don't, I never really feel different, but I always, yeah, <laughs> I'll do the same thing too. If I'm outside, I'll take my shoes off and have my bare feet touch the grass. I don't yeah. Maybe it's like the placebo effect, but yeah, I don't know. Like it feels different kind of, but I don't know. I mean, I, I feel people like, um, Epic gardening. He talks about that a little bit. He's got a really good channel and I've been seeing him. I, I forget his name, but he honestly has been getting a lot of traction from like creators, creators examining how other creators make money online. And he's mm -hmm. been sharing about like how he's so profitable, building all these courses, teaching people how to do gardening and how, Mm -hmm. um kind of like post covid it exploded and people are getting out more and gardening more so i was like heck yeah and i feel like gardening is you know the next step to being a farmer maybe like you're you're your own farmer so i thought that was pretty cool yeah i i was on his podcast uh like two months ago and hmm. got a staff of like 60 people yeah i learned that about which is wild yeah he, he kills it because he has like he gets 20 million views a month just on his newsletter no way okay yeah like yeah he's um yeah he's got it he's got it down pat like i have a lot of respect for uh kevin um yeah he's 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 doing it right and he's like affecting a lot of people's lives like mm -hmm. you're so right like once COVID happened people needed that break to get outside and you just saw gardening explode and he was one of the channels that were there and received the benefit of that and a lion's share of followers and good for him he's crushing it yeah, and he he's also been um have been noticing sharing the wealth a little bit by having other creators on his YouTube or Instagram. Like he's been sharing a lot of them so that they get more traction and stuff and they can go independent. So I thought that was really cool. Um and I think he even mentioned it in a podcast he was on. He's like, you know, um everybody's trying to pay their dues and like when you get to that point when you're very successful, it's like up to you to share that you know, reaching the sum and sharing it with other people. So I thought that, that mm -hmm. I feel like that's very refreshing because you don't hear that a lot from a lot of people that kind of like, I guess, quote unquote, make it online. Yeah, that is very interesting because I remember when I was first starting out, like reaching out to a few people and not getting any any response. Yeah. Or like, a few people like just to ask, <laughs> like, hey, how are you editing your videos? Like, I'm so new to this and not getting any responses. But now being on the other end of that, it's like you get so many messages. Mm -hmm. uh, a day it's super hard to cipher through like even the dms i get i i i don't even read half of them because i just i can't like it's just mm -hmm. um, a mental thing right <laughs> yeah like i mean how do you manage that mentally like like you said you you step away um for a retreat um for the weekend and then you come back and your videos got 10 million views and i'm sure you have like 
200,000 messages, so many more followers and so many questions. You're like, how do I juggle all this? Yeah, I mean, it definitely comes in in waves. I think um, sometimes I'm just over and I won't like open a message for like a week mm -hmm. uh, and then I'll, I'll batch it and spend like an hour and a half just at least opening and seeing if there's like anything I can just add quick value to. But it, it's all about like mental health at, at the end of the day and like balancing that and like realizing that because um, we have so many people reaching out to us, especially mm -hmm. after we do an ugly potato day. We have like at least two agencies a day reaching out to us for a week or two. So we have to call it 20 requests in my our area for us to be providing free potatoes for like this organization and that organ organization. And like you can't say no or you can't say yes to everyone. And that that's something I'm learning because like I like I like saying yes to people. I really like helping people out. But at the end of the day, too, you have to like balance what's best for like your mental health and also your business too. Like you just can't be giving out free potatoes to every organization that has a good cause. Right. So um, it's kind of just like a balance. And when I feel like I'm getting close to that edge, I'll just like shut down and like not check any messages for like a week or two, which yeah. might be bad, but like that, that's going to help me maintain longevity. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, you've got to, at, at some point, you've got to do what's best for you. And it's like, like you're not Superman. You can't go 24-7, 365. Like, you've got to do what's best for you. And you're doing, like, an awesome job doing it. I mean, like, you're a really big personality online. And, I mean, like, honestly, I reached out to you, heard back within, like, a couple hours. And I was like, oh, dang. Because, like we were saying earlier, like, sometimes I'll message out people that have, like, a larger audience, don't hear back. But... But yeah, that, I feel like you're doing a good job of it. I feel like there's no perfect way to do it, but it sounds like you've got like a good healthy grasp on it to where you're educating people, trying to help like feed people and change lives, but you know, not getting sucked into social media as some people do. Totally. And it's easy. It's <laughs> I mean, it happens to me too. But yeah, thank, thanks Trevor. I, I uh, appreciate that. How, how long have you been on your social media or podcasting journey for? Uh, I've been doing, so I started the blog in 2018 and I think I started the podcast like, I think 2019, 2019 about then. So I've been doing it since then. It's been like Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. I've gotten slowly off of Facebook a little bit because the traction's very down, but I, I'll really do like, I kind of focus on Instagram and YouTube. Um, well, and the podcast too. And so those have been, those have been fun. We, we got our first um, YouTube ad revenue two weeks ago and is $120. So That's we awesome. finally, yeah, we, we got to like 1600 subscribers. And honestly, I think most of that revenue was from my interview with Joel Salatin. Uh, Cause that one, I uploaded the whole interview and that one got so much traction. I think it's like 20,000 views right now. So I think like 90% of our revenue is from that one video, but um, yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I've talked with so many people all across like North America Australia, the UK. So it's been fun. It's been, it's had its ups and downs, but it's been really, really rewarding so far. That's awesome. Yeah. That, good for you. I love Thanks, hearing that, that progression. Um, I know like YouTube money can be pretty life-changing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I looked at it because you've got to have a thousand subscribers and then I think like something like to over 10,000 hours of watch time and then we got to it. I was like, oh, this is cool. 120 bucks. All right. Not bad. So we'll see what the next check is. But but it, it was weird. Like, it took us years to get to a thousand subs. 
I think we hit that in April of this year. And then within like three months, we got like 500 subscribers. So it's mm-hmm. weird how once you hit that threshold, you just kind of like skyrocket from there. So we'll see. Maybe we'll hit 2000 subscribers before the end of this year. You never know. That's awesome. I mean, it, uh, it, everything compounds. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Right. Like it. And I wish TikTok and Instagram uh, paid out. I, I did a video the other day um, where I handed out potatoes at Halloween. Um, and it was a bit longer it was like a minute and a half on on tiktok um and it uh got over 7 million views and i looked at the watch time and the watch time was thirty-four thousand hours oh my god like holy like if if this was on youtube i'd be like ordering another tractor you know (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) that's wild that's uh, i gotta ask what were the reactions to handing out potatoes for halloween Oh, they were so great. The kids loved it. They were, I, I did that last year <laughs> at, at my brother's house because um, he lives more in a cul-de-sac where there's a bunch of kids and oh, yeah. uh, recognized us. Kids came to us and were like, hey, you're the house that gave out potatoes. And no like, way. Potatoes again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, it's like definitely the age bracket. Like if the, the kids were from like eight to like 13, they're grabbing a potato. If they're yeah. under eight, they don't touch the potato. <laughs> that's so funny yeah they're like i don't want this potato and if they're above 13 they're like no i want i want some candy but that's funny that's a good age range they're like oh my god a potato um that reminds me of that that viral video i think like maybe 15 years ago this kid got an avocado for christmas he was like oh my god an avocado (laughs) and everybody's laughing because he's so innocent but he's so excited to get it for christmas yeah, we, I tried doing that this year with with my little um, nephew. He was two years old or two and a half, and he opened a potato and he he could care less. And I'm like, okay, not 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 getting the viral video here, but it was oh a man, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I've heard at least I don't know about in Canada, but here in the U.S., you can legally mail a potato, put postage on it, and everything, and it's totally normal. Can you do that in Canada? I think you can because there's a company called uh, Post Postato. I think <laughs> and, okay. uh, they write messages on it and they send it. And I, I know they make, uh, they do like over a hundred thousand, I think a month or something like that. Like it is, it's no insane. way. Yeah. That's hilarious. Potato. I'm going to have to look that up. That's, that's super funny. Um, well, Ty, this has been super fun. Um, great to chat with you. I think what you're doing with ugly potato day with 10 servings, the hat is awesome. I really like that. I'm trying to, I just got this hat in the mail from, um, it says support Florida agriculture. So I'm trying to get like all the agriculture hats. So I'm gonna have to order your hat very soon and support all those food banks. But um, what you're doing is awesome. If people want to follow you, if they want to learn more about 10 servings, where all can they go? Yeah, uh, potato tie, T-Y, um, on on everything, on um, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, Facebook, uh, I don't have account yet. I got, I got someone scamming me. So if you oh, see no. See me on Facebook. That's not me. <laughs> Report it. Of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then also 10 servings on Instagram if you want to learn more about um, our uh, mission to rescue on-farm food waste. Well, awesome. Well, I'll be sure to link all that stuff in the description. But thanks so much, Potato Tie. Great chatting with you and, and best of luck with everything. Awesome. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks again for listening to this episode and thanks to Ty for coming on and telling us about 10 servings, fun facts about potatoes, and of course, you know, how to make some cool viral videos. 
If you're new to the show, consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel. Basically, wherever you're at is where we're at. And of course, to see more content, check out thefarmtraveler.com. So thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment